This is the LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from New York courts as reported in recent issues of LexisNexis Mealy Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. LexisNexis Legal News, 2009 nominee in the ABA Journal Blog 100. The best legal blogs is selected by the ABA Journal's editors. A federal judge in New York on December 31st awarded more than $813,000 to a woman injured in a 2003 accident on a Staten Island ferry. Anna Marie Trombetta was aboard the MV Andrew J. Barberi when the ferry crashed on October 15, 2003. She sued the city of New York, claiming she suffered injuries to her back, arm, neck, and shoulder. Trombetta, who is an artist, sought damages for her pain and suffering, loss of enjoyment of life, lost income, and medical bills. The Barberi is one of two ferry boats operated as part of the Staten Island Ferry and shuttles commuters between Manhattan and Staten Island. Eleven people died and 70 people were injured as a result of the Barberi crashing into a pier on Staten Island in 2003. The vessel's captain lost consciousness, causing the ferry to run into a concrete pier. The city of New York has already paid $67 million to more than 160 victims of the crash, There are four remaining personal injury claims scheduled for trial. Nuclear fuel rod production defendants found liable for exposing workers at a redeveloped industrial site in Hicksville, New York, to perchloroethylene and trichloroethylene, asked the Eastern District of New York in mid-December to overturn a $12 million judgment against them or grant a new trial. The site at issue was used as a nuclear fuel factory and storage area from 1952 to 1967. The two plaintiffs alleged that Verizon Communications, a successor to Sylvania Electric Products and numerous other corporations, contaminated the site with the chlorinated solvents. The two men attributed their cancer to exposure to the solvents. Trial began November 2nd. A jury returned a verdict for the plaintiffs November 12th. The defendant companies, though, challenged the adequacy of the general causation and specific causation evidence presented at the trial and the rejection by the jury of the affirmative government contractor defense. The companies also say the two men failed to show that a duty owed to them was breached. There is no evidence, they say, that the defendants acted in any way other than reasonably. The Second Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals on December 14th reinstated putative class claims against distributors of steroid hormone products that have been dismissed sua sponte in the federal multi-district litigation for failure to prosecute. The appeals panel said the Southern District of New York had not afforded the plaintiff sufficient notice in a June 2008 filing on its own motion that their tardiness in filing would result in dismissal with prejudice. The underlying lawsuits allege that General Nutrition Centers falsely, deceptively, and unfairly marketed steroid hormone products as effective and legal promoters of muscle growth in humans and say that if the products worked for their intended purpose, they would be considered illegal controlled substances. The circuit court noted the district court indicated the plaintiff's counsel repeatedly and egregiously violated the court's orders. But, the appeals court said, the district court provided no information as to specific instances of such violations of court orders, nor did it specifically say what, if any, warnings had previously issued or suggest what the plaintiffs could do to avoid dismissal. Quote, based on the record before us, 
The first notice that plaintiffs received that their case was in danger of being dismissed was when the district court issued the June 4, 2008 motion to dismiss for failure to prosecute. This did not suffice to put plaintiffs on notice that future inattention to the litigation and failure promptly to comply with court orders would result in dismissal, and it did not provide them with the opportunity to cure any previous deficiency. End of quote. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Diet Drugs Report editor, Michael Lefkowitz. A New York State appeals court on December 10th upheld a ruling requiring defendants in a motor vehicle injury lawsuit to produce cell phone and wireless air card records. The Third Department Appellate Division said a trial court properly found that conflicting deposition testimony raised questions on whether one of the defendants was using either his laptop or cell phone when the accident occurred. The court said the records should first be produced for an in-camera inspection before being provided to the plaintiff, who sued a man driving an SUV owned by his employer and who the plaintiff alleges is liable for the 2006 accident that injured the plaintiff's daughter. The SUV driver had three cell phones and a laptop in his vehicle, but contends he was not using any of them when the accident occurred. An investment partnership moved January 7th to dismiss a securities fraud case against it in a New York federal court, arguing the plaintiff's claims do not meet the heightened pleading standards under the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act. Investment fund Pontifex Partners filed an amended complaint against Millennium Global Emerging Credit Fund in the Southern District of New York. In September 2008, Pontifex paid $1.5 million to purchase partnership interests from Millennium, which later became insolvent. Pontifex argues Millennium did not invest its money and instead used it to pay off its debts. Millennium argues in its motion to dismiss that Pontifex is a sophisticated investor and agreed to the investment terms knowing the significant risks involved. It argues that Pontifex is attempting to use the legal process to have its investment refunded and that its claims do not meet heightened pleading standards. It says Pontifex has not pleaded false statements, scienter, material omissions, and loss causation with particularity. Federal judge in mid-December held the weight of equitable factors warrants remand of an asbestos action after holding in November the action's connection to the General Motors bankruptcy provided sufficient federal jurisdiction for removal. Joseph and Betty Gilbert sued a number of companies in Albany County Supreme Court, alleging their conduct exposed him to asbestos. The case was removed to the Northern District of New York, and a motion for remand by the Gilberts was denied. The Gilberts filed a second motion for remand or reconsideration of the original ruling. Granting the motion for remand, Judge Thomas McAvoy held that while GM's bankruptcy still provides a solid legal basis for jurisdiction, equitable factors strongly weigh in favor of remand. A number of a series of defendants accused of trademark infringement saw their request for dismissal denied in December when Eastern District of New York Judge Joseph Bianco refused to assess the genericness of a plaintiff's mark at the motion to dismiss stage. Only in extraordinary circumstances may a district court question the validity of a trademark so early in a case, according to Judge Bianco, and such circumstances are not present in the dispute between plaintiff FragranceNet.com Incorporated and several perfume makers. The judge said the determination of whether FragranceNet and FragranceNet.com are generic marks will require a fact-specific inquiry that's not appropriate at the motion-to-dismiss stage. An online perfume retailer, the plaintiff filed suit against the defendants after they purchased the term FragranceNet and FragranceNet.com through the Google AdWords keyword advertising program. As a result, sponsored links for the defendants appear whenever a user searches for the plaintiff, 
leadingfragrancenet.com to levy claims of trademark infringement. In a ruling released December 14th, the New York Justice blocked attempts by 23 women who claimed their use of hormone replacement therapy caused them to develop breast cancer to discontinue their current actions to refile their claims in Minnesota federal court by awarding summary judgment to the manufacturers of the drug based on the statute of limitations. New York County Supreme Court Justice Martin Shulman denied the requests by plaintiffs to discontinue without prejudice their claims against Premarin and Prempro manufacturer Wyeth and Pharmacia and Upjohn, the maker of Provera, after finding it would be prejudicial to the defendants to allow the plaintiffs to continue with their clearly time-barred actions. Both manufacturers are now owned by Pfizer. The plaintiffs moved for discontinuance without prejudice to refile their lawsuits in Minnesota federal court, where the statute of limitations is six years. New York statute of limitations is three years. The judge said based on the evidence, he could not conclude Wyeth engaged in any intentionally fraudulent or deceptive act, which ostensibly lulled the plaintiffs into inactivity and induced them to refrain from filing timely actions. In a class action lawsuit challenging Starbucks Corporation's policy of pooling tips to share among baristas and shift supervisors was dismissed on summary judgment in mid-December by Southern District of New York Judge Laura Taylor Swain. The judge said the company's shift supervisor position is not considered an agent of the employer that would violate New York labor law by requiring baristas to share tips with the shift supervisors. Visit the LexisNexis store for all your legal book and software needs. The store offers thousands of titles to help you in the practice of law and in managing the business of your legal practice. You can reach our e-commerce site by clicking on the Store tab at the top of the LexisNexis homepage, or by going to LexisNexis.com store. For further information on these and other New York cases, visit www.LexisNexis.com forward slash Mealy's, M-E-A-L-E-Y-S. LexisNexis Legal News New York is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast, copyright 2010 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Burstler. Thank you for listening.